They weren't risking their life to smuggle Bibles. They were risking their lives to smuggle watchtowers. Watchtowers that if you pick them up today, you'd read it as a witness today, 75 years later, and you'd say, what is this? Really? Like you'd look at it and you'd say, we don't believe this anymore. You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, I want to ask you about one last thing. Um, Gilead. Now, you were in Bethel. You saw the Gilead graduations, right? Yes. Um, it's one of the schools, right? It's called Divine Teaching, right? Well, it's kind of funny that, and I, I know this is this is not an exaggeration, but at one time, Brooklyn was very proud of the fact that the Gilead School was given recognition by basically the outside world as being like a college degree or something like that. Or they had, they had been fighting for uh, the government to recognize the school as an accredited school. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Uh, so, UV, you know uh, the, the guy's name was UV Glass, tall, slender guy. Very, I mean, I mean, he was, I mean, he was on point. He was, he was, he was point man. And the other guy was Redford. They were the two Gilead instructors. And I remember a, a lot of talk about it was, you know, that was something that they wanted to get recognition so that they would, and it, which is, which is really ironic. I mean, it's, it's really ironic that they were excited about being considered for getting some type of accreditation when they dog it all the time. They, they, they dog accreditation of other churches all day long. You know, seminaries yeah. we don't need those. And yet here you are excited when someone mentions, you know, we're looking at your school. We, we kind of like what we see. And, and all of a sudden they were supposed to, we don't care what you think. This is for God. But instead they, once again, I told you, man, nobody does hypocrisy like the Watchtower. Man. They, they yeah. Go, and think of how hypocritical it is, JT, that, they're criticizing brothers and sisters for going to college to get a degree. And here they are fighting with the government and bringing, them, bringing people from the government in on tours so that they can get accreditation that this will be recognized by outside people as being an accredited school and like a degree that you get as a missionary. It's like you're, you're telling all the brothers and sisters that these degrees are really, you know, you should be chasing after them. And here they are chasing after the world to get to give them their stamp of approval that this, yeah, Gilead is a school that's accredited, right? Um, it, it, it's just hypocritical. And then the other thing is, and, and this was a change that happened when I was in, I think it was in Bethel or I was in the school, but they basically announced it. They said to the brothers and sisters, if you're thinking of going to Gilead to be a missionary, you need to be aware that the whole focus of the school has changed. They said, uh, we're not training brothers and sisters to go off into the high mountains of Colombia, into remote villages and teach people about Christ and study the Bible. The focus of Gilead is for the graduates to go to metropolitan areas, big congregations where there's lots of elders, and it's to organize the work and to train the brothers. So I can't imagine how much of a disappointment it is, because I know many brothers and sisters, and they want to be a missionary. They want to go out and tell people of Christ, right? Which is good for them, right? But the school to send out what we call missionaries is no longer sending people out to go out and study the Bible with people who had never heard of Christ. 
like in the good old days. Now it's about training them and sending them to big congregations in big cities where there's very little growth, but you're going to make people understand what's written and how the society wants to do things. So I asked myself, why are they even calling them missionaries? I mean, the definition of a missionary that most religions recognize, even people who don't even believe in God, is someone who goes to another country, learns the language, and tries to tell them about Christ, right? They're, they're not doing that anymore. That's, and they're calling them missionaries. Yeah, I, you, you, you know, you, you're like the third person that's mentioned this, um, that the focus of the missionary class of Gilead now is it's almost like they're looking for, they're graduating people not to go and preach, but to simply, they're looking for men who are good dyed-in-the-wool society men to go out and, and or, they're, they're looking for organizational structure. For sure. And and, um, in fact, they're looking to send the Gilead graduates to be branch committee members, even in countries where they're having problems with the branch committee not following Brooklyn's instructions. We're going to send someone that we trained here in Brooklyn. He had personal contact with the governing body. So we've made him feel special and that he's trained by the governing body themselves. And he's going to go off to this country and we're going to make him a branch committee member and he's going to straighten everything out. Why are you calling them missionaries? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. You know, I, I've had conversations with people. You're sending out company men. You're sending out men to go and straighten everything out. And the poor wife, who probably wants to go preach, and she's stuck in Bethlehem. She's there because her husband has been sent to clean up the branch committee or clean up the branch. She, she wanted to be a missionary. She didn't get that. I'm sorry. Maybe even the brother wanted to be a missionary. Nope, you don't get that either. Sorry, you're going to be in a big congregation. You're going to be a circuit officer. You're going to be a branch committee member to straighten things out. You're going to lay down the law and get things organized. In the last few years, I've had this conversation with, with a number of other people, and 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 they make an interesting point that, and and like I say, I can tell you, man, is it's a business. It's it's the point that was being made to me by a couple of people is that over the years, the society, like in any corporation, you you have headquarters, right? Wherever it is, in, name any corporation you want, any corporation you want, you have headquarters. Then you have those way out, far, strong branch offices. Well, you have guys who've been running things for the last 25, 30 years, and they view it as this is my branch. And oh, they yeah. call and they call the shots here. And so they do a lot of stuff that's questionable back at home office, but because everybody's scared to report them back to home office, because you'll get in trouble. Home office many times never knows how crazy these guys are running the local branches many times. And so some of these guys who've been around 20, 30 years running these branches. Uh, they, they they have developed a serious ego. And so the society is like, we got to send some eyes and ears over there to keep exactly. an eye on what these guys are doing. So they'll let the guys keep running the branch and they'll just put you on the committee as a side member. But your purpose there basically is report back to the Bethel. Like, this is what the guys are doing. They're changing this, they're changing that, they're doing this. And so <laughs> we see that they're struggling with the same thing that any worldly company has which once again raises the issue about Christ, Bible, Jesus, Moses. That stuff at that level simply is not an issue. It's, it's not something that's considered at that level. It's just not. Yeah, and you know, at, at the end of it all, like I, I'll give you an example. When I was last in pioneer schools in the Dominican, literally weeks after we finished the school, one of the instructors was disfellowshipped. Like this was like two or three weeks after we finished the school. He was teaching us. Three weeks later, 
this fellowship. And myself, I went to a couple of school with it less than a year later, six months, seven years, months later, burned out this fellowship. I, I, I was speaking with a, a brother in the Dominican Republic just a few uh, days ago. He's an elder. And he tells me that a brother that I was very close with, who is the, uh, circ the circuit assembly superintendent and was sent to Gilead with his wife. And then they were sent back to the Dominican Republic. Right after they get out, he burns out. Marriage is in a mess. He's now disfellowship. So I see, I, I hear about people having nervous breakdowns in, in these schools. I hear people about burning out because of the schools and falling flat on their faces right afterwards. Um, they tell you it's divine teaching. And I'm saying to myself, the effect of Jesus teaching, which was truly divine, never had that effect on people. And yet we're calling this divine teaching. This is teaching from Jehovah. And look at the results of it. And, and for decades, the brothers in Brooklyn have been told about the, the, the load of homework and nothing has changed. And you know what? Right now, if they go and they change it, because maybe they see this video and they feel embarrassed and they're like, well, you know what? What Paul's saying is really true. We better, uh, we better change things so that people don't get upset with us. Well, wait a minute. Okay, you change it now. Now the brother's going to be like, oh, how loving for the organization to give us a lighter load. But wait a minute. They kept that load on you for decades. Like they, and they didn't wise up until someone actually spoke out and made them feel embarrassed and bad about the, what they were doing that was wrong. So how can you say Jehovah's Spirit is on someone where he carries on for decades and it's not until you embarrass him? Because I'm pretty sure that what I'm saying right now is an embarrassment to the organization especially when you compare it to the way Jesus taught. Um, and then they go and change it just because now it's public and it's, a, and it's an embarrassment. And the organization has the habit of that. They do not change things until it's the public embarrassment. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah, the organization is so wonderful. Wait a minute. They did this for decades. And they didn't change it until somebody else forced their arm. So that's what I say about the schools. You compare what Jesus taught, you compare what you get in a school, it's like you're offered beef Wellington and you get a hot dog. <laughs> no kidding, JT. Like, and, and all they do is ask you to read old watchtowers and kingdom ministries, and you could do that at home. And in the end, you're burned out, you're wiped out, uh, and people, some people fall flat on their face during the school. Sometimes they do it after the school. But that's the effect of these schools. And anyone who's been through the school they would be a liar if they said they weren't worn out at the end of it. Yeah. Maybe they'll still defend the organization, but they will not be able to say that that school was easy. It was torture. It was, it was pressure, pressure, pressure. And Oh yeah, I'm one of the survivors. I didn't crack under pressure. And that was what the circuit overseer told me was one of the objectives was to see how much you can handle. So they know who they can use after that. It's totally the point of, <laughs> it's a lack of love and consideration for people's limitations. And, and you're telling them it's divine. And all you're doing is you're not, you're not reading the chapters of the Bible and discussing it in class. You're discussing articles written by men day in, day out. And you're, you're, the, the effort is for you to memorize that so that when you go back to your congregation, you're going to make things fall in line if they're not. And you're going to tell the brothers and sisters that, in order to be good brothers and sisters and have good comments so that the brother actually picks your hand when you raise it because he knows that you're going to make 
uh, a citation from one of the Watchtower articles. You're not going to give it in your own in your own words. That is so true. It it kind of like sums up what a district overseer used to always say in elders meetings. We have to keep the friends busy. And that's what they do. It's called make busy work. And that's what the organization does. And as a result, because Jehovah's Witnesses are so busy, they literally don't have time to think critically. And yeah. that's, it's just and a sad, know, it's a sad know, scenario. Looking back, JT, um, I think of the things that they tried to you know, teach in those schools. Nothing stands out. And yet, when I left the organization and started reading the Bible on my own, I remember when I finally understood what the transfiguration was really about, and I was crying. I was crying. When I finally understood the truth about the first resurrection, and again, this is just my belief, but when I finally understood what I thought was the truth, I'll never forget the, that moment. Like, in other words, it, the things that really are true, they have an impact on you. But the things I learned in the schools, I'm sorry, it was just a repetition of all that was written by men, and there's nothing memorable about it. The only memories I have of schools was some of the people that were in the class because they were good people, some of them. Yeah, it's, it's, it, we are, it, in the formal witness community, we often refer to this as awakening. And I know that's the way it was for me. I mean, I remember the moment where I realized I don't have to hawk worthless books on the weekend. And I'm like, I can't believe I wasted my time hawking these worthless books all these years. And uh, <laughs> it's such a wonderful feeling to realize that, that we actually attach our standing and our relationship with God as to whether we move some uninspired, fallible American religious publications in our neighborhood. And that's yep. what the bottom line is. And our relationship with God ain't got to do with what we move and watch our books or not. They are religious books. You can get Barnes and Nobles, get them off Amazon. But we as witnesses, we attach our standing and our relationship with God based on whether or not we was hawking those books or not. Man, you know, I mean, I tell you, man, they, 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 they hoodwinked us and bamboozled us. I mean, they, they really did. They really did. And I want you to think about something, JT. Um, if I were to go on about how Joshua, uh, trying to take the city of uh, Jericho and AI, let's say uh, AI, and I started going on about how AI represents false religion and Joshua represents the anointed and um, the apostates represent Achan and this and that. And I'm going on about all these types and antitypes. You'd be looking at like, where'd you read that? Like that's, that's not what is in the publications. And yet... If you look in like, for example, I think it was a 1939 Watchtower. I have a bunch of old Watchtowers in digital format, right? In 1939, 1940, there was this article and it was all about how Aiken represents this guy. Joshua represents that guy. And, and this is the meaning for us and we're living in the time of the end. And I'm thinking, at the time, someone got that Watchtower, right? And they're like, this is the spiritual food. And... What were they doing during World War II? They were printing watchtowers in secrecy, right? And they were stuffing them into their coats. They were doing these night exchanges. They were risking their lives so that they could give someone a watchtower that talked about how Achan represented false religion and Joshua represented the anointed, something that the organization has since abandoned. Like, 
you ask any of the governing body now, and they'll say, no, 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 that was a little bit. That was just, yeah, we're going to abandon that, right? Because they, they said they, they're abandoning all these antitypes. And if you showed that to them and said, this is what the Bible teaches, they're really looking at you like, because they probably don't even remember what was written in the 1939 Watchtower. So just think of it, JT. You had these brothers in the Second World War, and there's videos that the witnesses have produced to show how faithful they were, right? They were risking their lives to bring the spiritual food to their brothers and sisters. They were risking their lives to give a watchtower that talked about how Aiken represented false religion, something that doesn't even apply anymore, right? Like it was made up. It was, it was invented. Um, so it really is a serious matter because you, you, let, you made people feel that, they were, that if they didn't get that watchtower, they were going to die spiritually. And the guys put their lives at risk of being shot at, being imprisoned, just so they could get a watchtower to their brothers and sisters. Well, wait a minute. Like, they weren't trying to smuggle Bibles. They weren't risking their life to smuggle Bibles. Why? Because the brothers already had the Bibles. They were risking their lives to smuggle watchtowers. Watchtowers that if you pick them up today, you'd, re you'd read it as a witness today, 75 years later, and you'd say, what is this? Really? Like, you'd look at it and you'd say, we don't believe this anymore. And yet there were people that were risking their lives to smuggle those watchtowers thinking that it was spiritual food. So it, it goes right in hand with what you're saying, that they elevate the watchtower to being God's word. And that if someone doesn't get this watchtower, they're going to die. You got to go out there and smuggle these and, and risk your life. Looking back, everything's clear. It was ridiculous for them to do that. So if it was ridiculous for them to do that then, then it would be ridiculous for us to do the same thing today to take what men have written in an article and think that if that doesn't get to the brothers, they're going to die. They need that information. No, they don't. They didn't need it back then. It was a bunch of uh, made-up stuff, you know? Man, that's, 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 that's such an excellent point. I've, I've, I've always thought along those same lines. Uh, I, I have a conversation with Lady C probably about a week ago because, you know, we were just talking about how it's amazing. And it's, uh, this is why I tell people, put it on a timeline. Put, put, you got to put Watchtower stuff on a timeline. And as you put it on a timeline, as you move along the timeline, you see the wheels keep falling off the wagon. I mean, all the way down the timeline, the wheels just keep falling off. Um, think about this, Paul. Do you realize that there is not one book that was written under or during the time of the leadership of Charles Taz Russell, Rutherford, nor, and quickly, quickly, friends, that is still in use today. There is exactly. not one book that was written by the society that was presented to the world of mankind as this is the truth that is still in use today. And the governing body themselves will tell you, do not refer to those books. Do not use them in your investigation. Do not rely on, do not use them. And these are books that people risked their lives to get to other people. They gave up their lives. And now it's like, no, you don't need those anymore. They're, not, they're useless. They're useless. <laughs> you know, what about the colporteurs that sold their home and lived in a little wagon pulled by a horse and went around uh, to distribute these books because it was, it was, it meant life for the readers. I mean, if they had known that 50, 40 years later, even that the, the, the administration of the organization would say, 
these are no good anymore. I mean, what a deception. It's, 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 su- it's, it's such a deception, man. I mean, it is, I mean, and that's why you just got to just, at some point, at some point you have to just stop and say, wait a minute, you've been talking this crazy stuff for a long time. Ain't nothing happened. And at that point, you begin to understand why nothing has happened. Because the society had no more insight or understanding of where we are in the stream of time than anyone else. And the evidence shows that. The evidence show that the society and its writers have no idea where we are in the stream of time. Because their published works is a confirmation that they do not know. Because where we are right now, the Watchtower took the same position 140 years ago. It's right here. Right here. And then we don't move out 140 years, and they're saying the same thing. Why? Because they have no idea where we actually are in the stream of time. And the safe thing is to do is to stop pretending and having people make life decisions and life choices of information that you're given when at the end of the day, you have no idea what you're talking about. Anytime you, anytime you relegate uh, one of the society's books to the trash can, that means you didn't know what you were talking about. You can dress that monkey up any way you want to. That's what it means. You did not know what you were talking about. You might always ask a wino down the street, when's the world going to end? You would have been just as close if you'd asked a wino that same question 39 years ago. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.